in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, Art. Uh, nice to see you. Gosh, you startled me, Andy. Um, hey, Art, there's something I want to talk about. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Bunk bunkers. Okay. Uh, Andy's bringing up something. I don't know uh, if there's, there's a good time to bring this up. Startled um, me. So maybe this is just as good a time as any. Okay. Um, Bunk bunkers, I'm getting very worried. But I think um, if there's, all right, like think about every person who's ever existed. Wow. Real. I don't like them. Or fictional. Okay. <laughs> so every person. That's a lot of Who's people, actually Andy. lived and every fictional character. Okay. I think in the whole universe that we are aware of, uh, out of every person, uh, living or dead, real or fictional, if there's one person where we can say, even though we don't know for sure, if there's one person we can speculate with a high degree of confidence, this is getting at that they enjoyed cock and ball torture. <laughs> it's probably Gomez Adams from the Adams family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think of all people <laughs> sure. that we don't know for sure if they enjoy cock and ball, cock and ball torture. He's the one we could say I would wager my life. I would savings. be willing to put money that Gomez yeah. Adams enjoys it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he probably does. It's probably like a funny thing for him and Morticia, yeah, to uh, do together. Yeah, right? I, her name was Morticia, right? Yeah, I. That's think... not the Munsters' wife, was it? No, no. Okay, uh, Morticia is the the Adams yes. family matriarch. Um, they're very. This is you know they have a they have a loving relationship. Uh, yeah. So I can only assume that they had like hot, kinky sex. Yeah, gothy kind involved, of sex. Yeah, you know. And that's probably. how Wednesday and the other kid. masochism were born. Yeah. Bondage, probably. And cock and ball torture. Well, Andy, you know what, Andy? Uh, how can I describe you in any other way other than like an angel with a harp coming down from the heavens to wow. uh, decree to us all this wonderful message, this thing that we definitely should be thinking about all the time. Yeah. Out of all the people in the world... Who are we the most certain who enjoy? Yeah, including fictional characters. Including? <laughs> yes. Not the actor, uh, whoever, I forget their his name, but whoever no, played Gomez actor. Adams originally, and then in the uh, the, the the remake. Uh, just the character. Just the character in general. Of, 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 That's of, a hidden part yeah. of his lore that they refuse, and frankly, they need to come out and say. <laughs> yeah, frankly, at this point, 
in the Adams family existence, I mean, we need to know for certain if Gomez Adams enjoyed cock and ball torture. Well, you know what, Andy? Uh, speaking of of hidden hidden meaning and hidden um, uh, you know hidden uh, messages, uh, you know hidden lore of something. Today's topic: harp. Man, what a segue! <laughs> As uh, a lot of people scratching their heads and saying, "Hey." Maybe something else is going on here behind the scenes. Has a lot of people scratching their cocks and balls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it, maybe it's doing a little bit of cock and ball torture with our brains. Maybe it's doing a little bit of cock and ball torture with the weather. Maybe it's doing a little bit of cock and ball torture to the aliens. We don't know. Yeah. But harp encompasses it all, Andy. <laughs> harp is harp is a uh, cock and ball torture machine. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, hey, add it to the laundry list of things. Yeah. Harp is very much uh, one of the biggest conspiracy topics of all time, Andy. Yeah. Um, it's, this a, is, it's a real, uh, it's kind of a catch-all. And this came to us from a bunk bunker. Oh, yeah, that's true. It did. That's true. It did. Uh, this came to us uh, from none other than Robbie Malik. That's right. Uh, who uh, got at us on Instagram. That's right. With this topic. Uh, so, Robbie, thank you. Well, thank you, Robbie. For, um, you know. Thank you for the inspiration. Yeah, uh, for this great topic. You probably didn't expect all the cock and ball torture talk, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, expect the unexpected. That's what we bring to the table. Time. That's what we bring. That's what you get. And here's the thing: if you can't wait to get all that that C and B, that cock and ball torture, because God knows listening to us is akin to cock and ball torture. It's actually been tested by science. Yeah, uh, listening to this this show is is torturous. Um, if you can't wait to get to that topic and learn all about harp, everything, uh, we'll try our best with the science, but all the conspiracy, all the, the whole background on it, the whole history hog on it, the whole enchilada. If you can't wait, there'll be a timestamp in the show notes, in the description. You can check it out. It'll be there. Yeah. I promise. And it'll take you right to when the research starts, Andy. Yeah. First, we got to talk about, uh, what's been going on in our lives because <laughs> we're a couple of daddies. Yep. We're, uh... Bunk Funkers, as you know by now, we are two daddies. Two daddies. Uh, we are raising our undead teenage Sasquatch son, Peon Musk. That's right. And our adult baby, David Crosby. You know, Andy, one of the things I love about having kids now and being a daddy, daddies, mm -hmm. is that um, I can enjoy all the shit that I enjoyed when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Playing with toys again. It's now socially acceptable for me to play with little kids' toys. Yeah. Um, Legos, uh, action figures, um, you know, rattles, um, different mobiles that we use for adult baby David Crosby. <laughs> um, these are things I love to play with. Yeah. Um, different, just little simple toys that light up and repeat the same phrase over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you press one button yeah. on the toy over yeah. and over and over again. Right. But, you know, um, it's tough, Andy, because we have our undead teenage Sasquatch son. He doesn't want to play with baby toys. He no. thinks those are lame. He wants to go play video games or he wants to, I don't know, uh, he wants to, like, try to attack pigeons and, like, rummage for, you know, try to find squirrels in the forest. Right. And he's um, foraging for berries. Mm -hmm. You know, things that regular teens are doing. Yeah, he won't. He absolutely <laughs> will not stop humping everything. Yeah messaging people on aim yeah he's on aim messaging all night long we're like go to bed peon go to bed you could update your away status later <laughs> yeah put your put your put your fucking lincoln park lyrics in there and just set the away message you know i've become so numb okay we get it oh you're oh, so, so edgy. you're so you're so edgy you're so yeah. different peon 
But there's one thing that I think all of our boys and us two daddies can all agree on is that we love treating ourselves with little sugary cereals. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know it's not health food. Right. But look, you gotta you gotta have a, a little bit of joy in your you, life. You gotta cheat a little bit. And look, I mean, breakfast is that one meal where we all sit around the table, we all get ready for our day. It's one of the few meals we're all together. Yeah. It's one of those times where we can all be together. Right. Uh, and it's nice. Everybody likes a good old fashioned sugar. It tastes good. Right. Sugary cereals right. are delicious. Um, and they're nostalgic. Oh, so for nostalgic. Us. Oh, takes you back to Saturday morning cartoons. Oh my goodness, Saturday morning cartoons. Or Wednesday morning cartoons. <laughs> Monday morning cartoons. Or Tuesday morning cartoons. Or watching the Today Show on Thursday mornings. Yeah, or C-SPAN. Yeah. Uh, so I think sugary cereals are a great. This is this is our way as daddies. Passing down the traditions from our youth to our kids. So out of the 16 uh, Fortress Walmarts that surround the bunkers, we Mm -hmm. like to go to Walmart number 11. (laughs) That's our favorite. Yeah. Um, You know, I think that it's the one with the most ample parking. Uh, Plus the greeter Sammy is just so wonderful. So sweet. And they really have uh, an ample supply of uh, ride-on carts, scooter carts, (laughs) which we all each take one. Except for baby David Crosby, who rides in the basket of one of them. <laughs> we do. We like to have fun. I mean, that's what Walmart's all about. It's about having fun and having no rules whatsoever inside of an establishment. Mm-hmm. That's why You can do whatever the fuck you want in a Walmart. It's well known that the slogan for Walmart is no rules, just right. <laughs> and we take that to heart. That's right. So, yeah, we're going to ride the rascal screws around. Yeah, we're going to honk at you and run you over if you don't get the fuck out of our way. Yes, we are going to ride three abreast down the aisle. (laughs) And you have to move for us. And we are going to stop on a dime in case we see a deal. Yeah. Because we love a good deal. You know, if it's a rollback price, yeah, I'm stocking up, okay? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to need eight cartons of sunscreen. (laughs) Eight for a dollar. Are you kidding me? Uh, Vitamin C? Okay. (laughs) Can't get enough. I need it. Um, I see a deal. Yeah. I buy a deal. Jesus. And so we made our way down to the the cereal aisle. Oh, yeah. Oh, so fun, Andy. So many good cereals. Oh, is there anything better than going down that cereal aisle and looking at just all the the wide variety of cereals they got in the stores nowadays? Oh, my goodness. You know, you got Sugar Schmacks. You got um, got Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Kicks. Corn Pops. Yeah. Apple Jacks. Yeah. You got... Uh, sugar smacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got yeah. golden crisp. Golden crisp. Wow, you got cookie crisp. You got cookie crisp. Was golden crisp you the got... one with that rabid little hedgehog man? That little abomination. No, that was um, that was uh, honeycomb. Honeycombs. That little abomination. Yeah, honey honeycombs is the one that had uh the crime against God as its mascot. <laughs> I think that was the name of it. Crime yeah. against God. <laughs> the cag. Yeah, the cag. The cag. You know, he's cag. like the noid. The cag. Um, you got you got your honeycombs, you got your waffle crisp, you got oh, your honey punches crisp. of oats, you got uh oh raisin bran tricks, tricks, frosted Fru- flakes, fruit loops, and let's not forget all the horror themed uh cereals. You got oh yeah, murderos, murderos, oh Count Chocula, Count Chocula, <laughs> Yummy yeah. Mummy, Frankenberry, Frankenberry, Booberry, Booberry. Um, you've got um, you know Friday the Thirteenth cereal. Yeah, you've got um, Lucky Charms. Oh, Lucky Charms. And uh, we get all of these. I mean, we st- we have a whole cart that we drag. We, we 
we haul like at least two or three carts behind our rascal suitors stocked to the brim with sugary cereals. Yeah, we bring the bungee cords and we hook the uh, bungees up to the back yeah. of the rascals and yeah. uh, there's always a cart. Now, you know, a bungee cord isn't doesn't hold taut, so right. these carts are just wildly oh, drifting yeah, yeah, yeah. through the and, aisles. And, 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 and bunkfuckers, before you start saying anything, uh, we're not cheapskates. We're not getting that fucking off-brand bullshit where it's like you can buy like a you can buy a a, a beanbag sized uh, thing of off brand Lucky Charms. Uh, no 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 no. Malt oatmeal. How about I? How you know? It's like this might as well be like hamster food. Or it like, might as well be. They could use it as wood chips on a playground. I wouldn't even feed it to my hamster. Yeah, I don't want my hamster to die from diarrhea. Yeah. So anytime we see that, we get real angry and we fucking rip it open, throw it all over the Walmart. Yeah. That's their problem. They yeah. shouldn't even stock that shit. Yeah, we, name name brands only. We don't want any of this generic crap. Obviously, Andy, we have many bunk funkers have probably already realized that we've forgotten purposefully one cereal on this list, and that is, of course, one of the pinnacles of all sugary fun cereals for kids. This is a a cereal that's like a column. This that's is right. Atlas. That's Holding up the world of cereals. <laughs> yes. And he's built like it, too. Let me tell you, the mascot. Yeah, is, oh, oh, my God. This is obviously one of the sexiest, fuckable, most fuckable mascots in the Way history Way more fuckable than the Trix Bunny. Oh, Are you yeah. kidding me? Or the Lucky Charms guy. Ugh. <laughs> no, thanks. No, thank you. I don't want all that red pubes all over my bed. Get the fuck out of here. Tony the Tiger, though. Close second. <laughs> Tony the Tiger, very fuckable, very sexy. Big bachelor energy. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, he does have big bachelor energy. Obviously, you got all the uh, monster themed series, but those guys are all like family men. Yeah, you can, you can really tell. Not that fucking any of them. I mean, Tony the Tiger is a family man, too. That's he does true. Have a family. But he's got bachelor energy. But he's got bachelor energy. He's a swinger. Yeah, and, you know, if you just go online and look up Tony the Tiger Rule 34, I mean, Tony the Tiger is hung. Puts Garfield to shame. Yeah, Garfield looks like. Garfield looks minuscule. He's starting a little bit less lasagna, a little bit more uh, doing sports with like Michael Jordan and stuff, like uh, Frosted Flakes does. Whoever, whoever, what are, you know, Shaq. Shaq was that yeah. the athlete with Frosted Flakes? Yeah, Shaq. Yeah, Shaq. So, well, obviously we're talking about Captain Crunch, right? Mm-hmm. We of course are talking about Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. The admiral, a fucking admiral. Yeah. In the navy. Uh, Military, he obviously has a, a lengthy military career. Yeah. Um, it's clear that um, Captain Crunch is killed in combat. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the f- things that people don't talk about enough is that Captain Crunch has seen some things. They don't show it on the cereal box, but on the other side of his ship, there's actually like little markers that he puts for every c- confirmed kill yeah. that he's gotten in combat. Yeah. I mean, he served in World War II. He's a fucking captain. Yeah. What do you think? He's, what do you think? He's just sailing around yeah. looking for kids? <laughs> no. Wait, what? Well, he's looking for kids to crunch ties. Oh. oh, okay. That's 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 his late military career purpose is to yeah. crunch ties kids. Yeah, he, but his early military career was uh, serving in the U.S. Navy, uh, killing people in the uh, Pacific Theater. Yeah, um, he he did a Vietnam, he, he was part of uh, Desert Storm during uh, Operation mm-hmm. Iraqi Freedom. Yeah, uh, he he was there bombarding uh, the the coastline yeah. when we invaded uh, Iraq to liberate Kuwait. Yeah, Captain his, Crunch was there. People don't know that. Yeah, his his he turned his his serial cannons and started firing on the uh, uh, Iraqi Republic Guard. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is. You gotta look this up in the history books, kids. Bunkfuckers. I don't want to call you kids. <laughs> Children. Children. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we're daddies. I'm a daddies, and I like to teach. Yeah. 
but you know, Captain Crunch, a decorated military career, uh, keeps himself in shape. Uh, runs a tight ship. Clearly, clearly runs a tight ship. It's a tight ship. Yeah, very tight ship. People don't see this on the commercials, but after the kids get crunchitized, they're actually conscripted into his army. <laughs> and they're put to labor. Yeah, it's sort of a draft type of thing. Uh, you get crunchitized... You get drafted into the Crunch Army. It's very much like the Curse of the Black Pearl with Johnny Depp and the Pirates of Caribbean right. movies. You know, you die at sea or whatever. You get cursed by a Black Pearl. You, you're then stuck on your ship as an undead soldier. Yeah. Um, it's very similar. You get crunchitized by the captain. You're conscripted into his army. Yeah. Um, he's got so, a strong force, so. Yeah, he's 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 got quite a quite an army. He's got quite an army of seamen behind him. And, I mean, he's decorated military. Oh, he's career. got squimmers. Yeah, yeah, squimmers. Swimmers, swimmers, David Swimmer. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, Captain Crunch is Ugh. easily the most masculine serial mascot, yeah, in history. Oops, all berries. I mean, it's just like, you know, he's saying it's so. He's being so humble. Well, he's being humble, but Andy's also being like, I don't give a fuck. Like, oops, like, oops, I did it again. Kind of that. It's got that same energy. Oops, all berries. I don't give a fuck. I put oh. all berries in my cereal. What are you going to do about it? Oh, I get it. He's like, oops, it's all berries. Yeah, he's being very like coy and cheeky with it. Yeah. It's oops. very sexy. Yeah, it's very, it is very sexy. It's very cool. It's very sexy. Yeah. It's um, it's just really neat. And I could see why he's in. And, 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 and the thing is, we've been buying so much Cap'n Crunch. We've wanted to win. Um, We wanted to be crunchitized. The whole family wants to be crunchitized. Yeah, we. It's like a goal of our family. This is on our bucket, our family bucket list. Uh, some families want to be on Family Feud. Some families want to go on the Amazing Race. We want to be crunchitized. Yeah, we all we all made a list, a bucket list of things we want to do before we die together. Yeah, and we we definitely as, as as daddies, we go to our children and say, "You need to start preparing for death." Right. It's the number one gift you can give your children as a daddies is you can make them be prepared for death. That's right. Um. So we had them. We we all made bucket lists. That's right. And. There was a lot of different things. So many different things. On everybody's lists. The one thing that came up in everybody's list was to get crunchitized by That's the right. captain. And um, Bunkfuckers, I mean, it um, it did happen. It finally happened. We 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 pulled open a, a box of Captain Crunch Oops All Berries and this mystical, almost um, Aurora Borealis-like light stream, rainbow-esque, came out and this yeah. this massive uh, ship, this this huge ship... Came out of the box. Yeah. And I thought, geez, these toys in these cereal boxes are getting good. Yeah. But this was no toy. No, this was a real this was a real deal destroyer. <laughs> it displaced so much landmass in that Walmart. That Walmart is trashed. Yes, by the way, we open all of our groceries while we're in the store. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm gonna pay for them. We Maybe. start we start eating before we leave. You, you expect me to have to try before I buy? <laughs> I mean, I'll put out some more free samples, Walmart, and I yeah. won't have to. That's right. Learn your lessons, Walmart. We'll we'll shape that. We'll get that business into shape eventually. Yeah, well, number eleven will be good before long. Um, this massive naval destroyer comes out of the box, and at the top is a a stunningly muscular um, Captain Crunch, Adonis of a Captain. That's right, Captain Crunch. And um, he had some choice words for us. He was saying, uh, "Behold, it is I, Mister Bunker." Here to capture you guys once again. Why aren't you getting this? And we were just like, oh my God. Look at Captain Crunch. What the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, we, were like, we were like, Captain, are you here to crunchitize us? Yeah. Let's get ready to get crunchitized. What's with this soliloquy? 
Yeah. Grunchitize us, Cap. Grunchitize me, Captain. Well, first we were like, what? Because yeah. I mean, he was so far away on the neighbor. Yeah, we couldn't this... really hear him. Yeah. But then he got on the the, loud, the Walmart loudspeaker and we were able to hear him. A little yeah, bit. it was a little bit better that way. Um, but he kept saying over and over again, it's me, Mr. Bunker. It's me, Mr. Bunker. Like, what aren't you idiots getting? It's very clearly me abducting you again like I used to do mm -hmm. in the beginning. And now I'm doing it again. Everything's kind of full circle. What aren't you getting? Yeah. And we were just, I mean, I have to say it's sort of like, I don't know if maybe Captain Crunch is just kind of getting old. I mean, I don't know. Is that kind of... PC to say that he's getting a little old. Maybe he's getting a little uh, slipping a little. He's slipping a little. Yeah, because he's sounding. I don't know what he's talking about with this this sort of thing. It's Captain Crunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he keeps saying, "I'm Mr. Bunker. I'm Mr. Bunker. I'm Mr. Bunker," and he just kept saying it over and over and over again. And it's like, okay, Captain. <laughs> like, let's get on with the crunch. Clearly, you're Captain Crunch. You look like Captain Crunch. <laughs> yeah, you got the hat. You got the pants. You got the shirt. Yeah, you got the beard. Um. Let's get on with the crunchitizing. You get the eyebrows on the hat. We're daddies. We're daddies on a we're daddies on a strict time schedule. Yeah, these these rascal scooters don't have batteries for all day. <laughs> yeah. We will wear them out. We go to, when we go to Walmart, when we shop, it's usually we're there for about three or four hours. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Eventually the captain let out a very long, very exasperated sigh. Yeah. I mean, it was a little comical. A little over the top. A little over yeah, the top. Me. Um he did shoot some kind of beam at us. I don't... If this is what crunchitizing feels like, I'm going to be honest, I feel a little disappointed because the only thing that happened was, um, I don't know, I woke up here in the studio with you. Yeah. Yeah, I I expected it to be more crunchy. Yeah, I expected it to be crunchitized, turned into a some kind of fun 2D cartoon character that yeah. lives in a fantastical universe made of cereal. Yeah, and I kind of felt like maybe part of the crunchitizing experience is like, Captain Crunch is a lot bigger than you. And so he picks you up and like puts you between his like forearm and his bicep and he just kind of squeezes you a little yeah, bit. That's right. And that's part of the crunchitizing. Right, right, right. Um I don't know. I guess I just imagine like a really gigantic Captain Crunch and he like squeezes you. Yeah. And it's like nothing for him. But and it, you're like, wearing really, a diaper? Yeah, it really hurts you. But like not not like excruciating, not like you can't stand it, but it just you, enough. You could feel the pain. Yeah. But it's like also kind of intriguing. Like you want to, you want him to keep squeezing you a little bit. <laughs> I guess that's just what I think about. I think, yeah, maybe I just think that's, you know, I don't know what's up with the crunchitizing or uh, maybe uh post cereals or general mills, whoever makes Captain Crunch maybe needs to kind of work out. Yeah. That's some of the, some of the kinks in the, uh, the crunchitizing. I don't know if maybe it's just not like that. They used to do it. Yeah. But pretty disappointed in the crunchitizing process. I don't know what all this bunker talk is from Captain Crunch, but uh, we did wake up here in the studio, so yeah, we, we decided maybe to just record an episode. And we don't appear to have a commission in uh, Captain Crunch's Navy, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't have... Which is part of the deal. Yeah, I don't have uh, any of the things. I don't have my little Sailor Boy cap, I don't have my little Sailor Boy vest, my yeah. little Sailor Boy ascot. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sleeping on a cot. I didn't get a mop. I don't have a parrot. That's right. Um, I haven't lost an eye. Yeah. So, or a hand. Um, yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, so, uh, it, 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 you know, I don't know if any of you out there want to be crunchitized as bad as we did, but um, maybe put it a little bit lower on the bucket list, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do some other things first. Because um, I, 
I mean, if I'm Yelp reviewing being crunchitized. That's right. Two stars out of ten. Wow. Out of five. That's not very good. Out of five. That's not very good. Well, speaking of two stars out of t- out of five, um, this show has two stars, two easily two stars out of five. But you know who has five out of five stars, Andy? It's uh, the, the the two new patrons that we. I are. was going to say these are the two stars. These are the oh, that's uh, the two, two stars. Two stars of the show now. The two stars of the show. Uh, we have we are seamlessly transitioning into our next segment which is this week's bunker alarm mm-hmm. uh and we have two new patrons that's right two. to ring the alarm so this is a very special uh bunker alarm uh for our two newest patrons uh we would like to give great shout out to Liam Douglas and Ray Dacted thank you Liam and thank you Ray uh thank you both for your patronage uh thank you for your support um if you too would like to become like Liam and Ray and support the show, help That's us right. uh, deliver more content um, and get exclusive access to all, all kinds of things like oh my goodness. Uh, a monthly newsletter, oh my uh, newsletter. One, at least one episode at least of uh, Andy and Art debunked every month. Uh, that's our Patreon only uh, show. Um, you also get access to sneak peeks, uh, clips. Yeah. Uh, early access to our YouTube videos, uh, yeah. maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll possibly. See. We'll uh, go start up again. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you get the idea. There's a lot of lot of things you get. Access you get to. extra episodes every month. Yeah, I have extra episodes. <laughs> so uh, if you two would like to be like Liam and Ray, uh, go to patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker, forward slash Mr. Bunker pod. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you have the means, if you have the uh, desire, uh, the want, uh, please become a patron and we will ring the bunker alarm for you as well so ray liam thank you so much for your patronage that's right uh this bunker alarm is for you now uh i'm gonna go into the uh our very sophisticated high-tech piece of equipment that's true it's very bunker alarm 3000 Uh, i'm gonna get a special alarm for ray and liam yeah uh we're gonna ring it today so let me just do um a little bit of research here to find the right alarm Oh, those keys. Wonderful mechanical keyboard. <laughs> Bing! Oh, it's a typewriter! It's a new interface. <laughs> Bing! It's so sophisticated. Bing. It always keeps you guessing. Yeah, I mean, this is a rapidly evolving technological field. <laughs> Bing! <laughs> oh, here's one. Oh, my goodness. This is a good one. All right. Liam and Ray, thank you for your support. Uh, we're so happy to have you as patrons uh, and uh, loyal bunk funkers. Um, so this is bunker arms for you. That's right. All right. We're going to count down. We don't need to, but Art and I like to. It's just fun. It's just fun. Um, so here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Ray and Liam. Wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's perfectly a perfectly synced. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to star that one. <laughs>
favorite. That's one of my favorites. Uh, thank you to Ray. Thank you to Liam for uh, being uh, patrons on the bunker. Being patrons being the bunker patronage. Being uh, the pat- patron on wonderful bunk funkers being um, generous, being lovable. You know what? If we could, we would blast you both up into the ionosphere <laughs> so that you could shine bright like the stars that you are. Yeah, if we could, we appreciate you so much. We would send you into near space. That's right. <laughs> but Andy, we got to talk about it because we got to talk about this ionosphere. <laughs> yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah. This ionosphere is home to a lot of wacky business and it concerns Harp. It's 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 Harp's big thing is the ionosphere and we're going to give you the whole enchilada on the Harp weather control, mind control, alien control, whatever control you want to control. Ionic con- control, ionosphere control. I mean, if this is this is the episode for you control freaks out there. That's right. Um, we're going to give it to you. The whole enchilada on harp here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Wednesday morning at 1 a.m. as the episode drops. If you're anything like me, you own a home that's underwater. (laughs) No, I don't mean some kind of futuristic sex dungeon under the ocean, unfortunately. No, I mean a regular home that happens to be worth less than the amount of my mortgage. I know what you're thinking. Maybe if I didn't keep buying gigantic fish tanks and renting portable storage lockers to place all over my property, uh, maybe my home would be worth more, or, or I'd at least have the funds to put the roof back on since it fell off two years ago. And friends, let me tell you, you're not wrong, (laughs) but you need to stop blaming yourselves. Friends, I know you're going through exactly the same things as me. I realize that I perfectly represent every person listening to this, especially those dressed in large plush crab costumes. (laughs) So you know you can trust me to give you good advice on refinancing your mortgage. In fact, it's the topic of today's episode. It's time to take back your life and your kids by taking advantage of historically low mortgage rates with the government-sponsored HARP program. HARP, or the Home Affordable Refinance Program, helps homeowners like you and me refinance our mortgage debt into low fixed-rate loans, even if we owe more than the value of our homes. The HARP program doesn't care about the amount of equity in your home or how many barnacles are stuck to your skin in your bathing suit area. So join me, friends, in making use of the HARP program. Um, all right, um, Andy... Uh, what, uh, what do you, what, what are you, what are you talking about? Okay. Kind of, kind of sounds like you have some kind of weird ocean fetish. <laughs> I won't lie, Art. I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I'm most passionate about refinancing options for distressed homeowners. Okay. Uh, I get it, but it kind of sounds like you want to fuck a lobster or something. <laughs> okay, okay, Andy is not denying it. Uh, ocean man. Uh, okay, right. but anyway, Andy, we're talking about harp, right? Harp today, okay? Not the Home Affordable Refinance Program. We're talking about H A A R P, harp, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, harp. Oh, not any of this home financing business that you're involved in. Oh, 
So, uh, yeah, it's actually an egghead type science program that studies the ionosphere. Okay, deep space. Well, not deep space. The thing before deep space is a layer. We'll get into it. I'm not. I'm not qualified to talk about this at all. Okay. <laughs> And while that's an extremely straightforward description that requires absolutely no additional information to understand, harp has become a bit like alcohol. To paraphrase Homer Simpson, harp is the cause of and solution to all modern conspiracies. Wow. <laughs> it's true. Thank you, Homer. All right. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, right, Andy? But uh, this seemingly unassuming facility in Alaska has been accused of all kinds of things from Weather control to MK Ultra type schemes to being the harbinger of the apocalypse. I mean, whatever the hell the thing is, we're here to sort it out and to fill up your mind tummies with this brain busting bowl of the whole enchilada. So, what is HARP, officially speaking? Well, the HARP facility is located near rural Gikona in the U.S. state of Alaska and is a high power, high frequency, high voltage rock and roll frequency transmitter. Designed to study the ionosphere, whatever that is. Uh, Andy, you probably don't know this because you were most likely cranking your hog, uh, daydreaming about scallops all over your ding-dong, as you do. <laughs> Again, not denying it. <laughs> okay. But according to NASA, quote, the ionosphere stretches roughly 50 to 400 miles above Earth's surface, right at the edge of space. Along with the neutral upper atmosphere, the ionosphere forms the boundary between Earth's lower atmosphere, where we live and breathe, and the vacuum of space. Quote. Basically, the ionosphere is like the part of the Earth's atmosphere that's pretty far away from the surface. Um, the ionosphere is the place where auroras occur, okay? The ionosphere, you'll find a bunch of ionized atoms and molecules, meaning that these things are positively charged after losing an electron. They become ionized. Jeez Louise. Wow. Um, thanks to a constant barrage of radiation from the sun. Now, Andy, did you know that at any one moment, the sun is blasting Earth with 170 billion megawatts of radiation? Wow. Yeah. That's fucked up, man. <laughs> Probably the safest place to be is at the bottom of the ocean, right along the seafloor. <laughs> That's just smart. Oh, boy. And hey, so is HARP. <laughs> the HARP facility has a lot of scientific equipment operated by genuine eggheads. Uh, there's the Ionospheric Research Instrument, or IRI, which is a high-frequency transmitter. The IRI is used to excite part of the ionosphere so that experiments can be performed and the results studied. By changing the density of electrons in a specific part of the ionosphere, eggheads can see how the ionosphere reacts. HARP is referred to as an ionospheric heater because fooling around with the, ionos with the ionosphere apparently gets it pretty frickin' hot. And nothing gets the ionosphere hotter than HARP. It's the most powerful ionospheric heater in the world. The IRI is basically like a Walmart parking lot full of antennas. It's a 33-acre plot with 180 radio antennas spread all over at a eight at 80-foot intervals. And these are large, girthy antennas, too, okay? These aren't little pencil-dicked antennas. <laughs> no. They're one foot thick and 72 feet tall, okay? Each antenna pole has four arms at the top, which are all connected to the other antenna arms by metal and Kevlar wires, which also connects to a wire mesh 15 feet off the ground and to the ground itself. Using this array, the IRI can transmit radio frequencies between 2.7 and 10 megahertz into the ionosphere, causing the electrons to get friggin' charged up. They must be playing some Barry White 
Oh, yeah, let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I'm not the only sexual deviant here. <laughs> Anywho, Harp isn't just a bunch of wannabe DJs shooting their mixtapes into near space. It's also a shitload of high-tech scientific instruments used to study the effects of blasting the ionosphere. Harp is the whole package. You can spam the ionosphere with radio waves, then sit back, chill, and see what happens. Uh, basically, the eggheads at Harp operate under the same principles as those zookeepers who show porno to pandas and then watch them fuck. <laughs> Talk about sexual deviance. Those zookeepers are, those zookeepers are fucked up. Yeah, yeah, they are. That's fucked up. They're getting off on that stuff. Anyway, talk about sexual deviance. Here comes the history hog. Wee, wee, wee. Lord. Jesus Christ. That thing needs to be put down. It's really, the history hog's really struggling. It's, yeah, that's not, uh, not good. Yeah. Here's some harp history for all you horny, hunky, hogged out hotties out there. Wow. What alliteration. I love alliterations. For many years, there wasn't much research into the ionosphere. In fact, in some sort of attempt at humor, eggheads began calling the ionosphere the ignorosphere. All right, eggheads. Yeah. Let's leave the comedy to the amateur skeptic let's comedians. Leave the, yeah. Let's, okay. <laughs> Clearly, we know a thing or two yeah. about comedy. Did you hear that alliteration we just said before this? Uh, That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Horny, hunky, hogged out hotties. <laughs> ignorosphere. Good luck. Good luck, eggheads. Okay, yeah. That's not going to get you on uh, Saturday Night Live. Trust me. <laughs> Basically, nobody. Can- if anybody knows what doesn't get you on Saturday Night Live, it's us. Yeah, big time. <laughs> Basically, nobody gave a fuck about the ionosphere, okay? It's some egghead. If some egghead did want to study it, <laughs> they just kind of shot radio waves straight up at it and just was like, hey, did anything happen? <laughs> now, even though these early ionosphere researchers were just sort of fucking around, they did find out that the ionosphere had has plasma which is like the fourth state of matter and is basically just ionized gas clouds. Early ionosphere researchers learned that the ionosphere expanded and contracted based on the number of different factors. Then, by the 1980s, ionospheric science kind of hit the end of the line. There wasn't a lot of interest in the old ignorosphere, but there was hope in the form of a plucky band of loosely organized eggheads who started a campaign for an ionosphere research center. One of these scientists was Bernard Eastland. Bernard was a physicist and worked for the oil and gas company Atlantic Richfield, a.k.a. Arco. Arco owned the rights to tons of natural gas under the ground in the northernmost part of Alaska, called the North Slope. Arco wanted a good way to get the natural gas from the North Slope to the shipping port of Valdez, which is in southern Alaska. Well, Bernard Eastland thought, hey, fuck that. Let's just use the natural gas up here to power an enormous ionosphere heater. I mean, it's like, all right, Bernard, we brought you in to help us transport solid gas into a liquid form that's easy to bring down south, but he's just saying, scrap all that. Forget it. Let's make an ionosphere heater, baby. Yeah, baby. And they're like, all right, dude. Armed with this kick-ass idea, Bernard set off to get a bunch of patents for technology that would theoretically be developed from this facility. In these patents, Bernard claimed the facility could possibly be used to destroy Soviet missiles in flight or for turning the weather into a weapon. Now, when I suggest things like this at my job, I get fired (laughs) on the spot. (laughs) It's true. 
This is the main reason I have not been with one employer for more than 45 days in the last 13 years. Yep. Uh, I usually wait about a month. Yeah. And then I start talking about using weather as a weapon. You were doing really well. You had tons of flair at TGI Fridays, but then yep, no. one customer is all it took, and you started talking about- One customer says, hey, how about this weather, huh? And I'm like, oh, ho, ho. <laughs> there you go. But I digress. Uh, Arco, on the other hand, was all in on Bernie's rock and roll science factory. <laughs> they were all about it. Oh, man. Executives from Arco pitched Bernard's idea uh, to Simon Ramo, who was an important figure behind the United States Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Program. Ramo shared the idea with a U.S. Department of Defense official. That official then passed the idea on to the Department of Defense's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA. DARPA is essentially an advanced military research and development agency. Of course, Bernard Eastland was speaking uh, DARPA's language with this wild with his wild patent applications. So Tony Tether, which... Sounds like a made-up name. It definitely does. Uh, Tony Tether, who was DARPA's director of strategic <laughs> technology. I'm Tony Tether. Would you like to play my ball? Uh, hey, I'm Tony Tether from DARPA. <laughs> okay. Okay, dude. <laughs> Please get out of this Wendy's. <laughs> uh, so Tony Tether, DARPA's director of strategic technology, awarded Arco a contract to do a feasibility study. So that time, that, that study didn't go so good. <laughs> didn't go so good. Didn't go so good. Uh, it turned out that Bernard's ideas were not feasible at all. Despite that, some other eggheads were into the idea of building an ionosphere heater in Alaska. In Alaska and more northern latitudes generally, the ionosphere interacts with the Earth's magnetic fields, which eggheads think is super neat. <laughs> so in uh, 1988, some of these eggheads met with Alaska's senior U.S. senator at the time, Ted Stevens. Senator Stevens was always eager to take on projects to pump federal funds into Alaska. The eggheads told him their ionospheric heater would be a real scientific wonder, was guaranteed to create jobs, and would only cost $30 million. Sign me up. <laughs> I mean, that's a good deal. That's a deal. That's a, that's, a, that's a steal. Naturally, Andy, this was enough of the Ted Stevens cool reviews. <laughs> Oh no! Oh. This is a good review. Who is that? The histriog? That's so bad. I'm gonna make a love You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding, and you tell me about an ionic superheater that you could put into Alaska. Uh, anyway, that was the version of the Godfather we all deserve. That's true. <clears throat> um. Next thing these eggheads knew, they got $10 million from the Department of Defense for ionic spheric heater research. But these eager eggheads didn't stop there. They also pitched the heater idea to the U.S. Navy and Air Force, claiming that the heater could help the military obtain, quote, significant operational capabilities, end quote. <sighs> They're so loose. Yeah. They'll fucking, they'll shoot their little idea loads they'll into any, any military branch. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care who hears their ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the scientists explained that their plan was to build an array of antennas which could create a finely tuned beam of high-frequency radio waves. By aiming and shooting the beam into the sky, they could excite the ionosphere, ultimately causing the ionosphere to emit extremely low-frequency, or ELF, ELF, uh, radio waves. <laughs> LOL. Art. Are you freaking seeing this, dude? These eggheads wanted to build a science machine near the North Pole, and it would make ELFs? Come on, dude. That's freaking funny right there. Come on. 
Uh, well, Andy, that's where you're completely wrong. There was nothing funny about this proposal. Elves were of great interest to the military, Andy, because the waves could theoretically pass through the surface of the earth, enabling the military to detect bunkers hidden underground or to contact submarines deep underwater. Or <sighs> underwater? You say? Oh. 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 Get yourself under control, you sea freak. With that. Sorry. Sorry. Put your pants back on. Oh. <laughs> oh, jeez. The military already had ways of communicating with submarines. It involves building big-ass antennas. The Navy built an array of these large-ass antennas in the upper Midwest. The construction involved the clearing of a path 100 feet wide, spanning 84 miles, even through parts of a national forest. Fuck that national forest. Fuck that forest. We need this big ass antenna. We need these antennas. We need to talk to the submarines. <laughs> Haven't you ever heard of a telephone pole? <laughs> all right. Of course, all these tree huggers got pissed off at this, but it's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Not communicate with submarines by sending radio waves through the bedrock? I mean, could we have built it somewhere else? I mean, fuck. What's with all these questions? At least now we can build some wacky space laser in Alaska and nobody will even give a fucking shit. Uh, okay, Art. God, uh, it gets me friggin' peeved. Uh, get off the Navy's dick, okay? They're trying their best. Uh. <clears throat> yeah, well, anyway... The military interest in the project led to more earmarked federal funds for feasibility studies. In 1992, the Navy awarded a $21.6 million contract for the facility. In 1993, the Air Force began constructing the HARP facility. The location near Gekona, Alaska was selected because it was flat ground and because it's in an area where auroras happen. Also, the site is close to a major highway, but far enough away from civilization that there wasn't nearby radio or electrical interference. In 1999, Harp's first antenna array was finished, but at 48 antennas, it was smaller than the current array. Also, the project's cost had basically tripled at this point from what was estimated during the feasibility studies. But hey, it's nothing that a hot pork injection can't fix. And of course, in this instance, I mean a hot injection of pork barrel spending from the U.S. government. For once, I'm not trying to talk about my health regimen, which involves having my quote-unquote doctor inject liquefied ham directly into my bloodstream. So anyway, more cash got infused in 2001. In 2007, HARP finally became fully operational. Then in 2014, the U.S. Air Force told the U.S. Congress it intended to cease operations at HARP. While this looked like the end of the line for HARP, it was not to be. In August 2015, the Air Force transferred operations of the facility to the University of Alaska Fairbanks through a cooperative research and development agreement. More recently, HARP has received grant funding from the National Science Foundation, which will allow the University of Alaska Fairbanks Geophysical Institute to build a research observatory for upper atmosphere and geospace exploration. A different grant from the National Science Foundation will outfit HARP with a LIDAR, which is equipment that sends laser light pulses, often to determine distances by measuring the reflection of the laser pulses. At HARP, the LIDAR will be used to learn more about the Earth's upper atmosphere. All right, that's all well and good, but why should we care about HARP at all? Well, 
Bunk Funkers, the ionosphere is actually kind of a big deal when it comes to radio communications. Low-frequency radio waves can be bounced off the ionosphere, which allows transmission of those signals over long distances. As a side note here, higher-frequency waves, like those going to the satellites, just pass right through the ionosphere. They, don't, they pass go. They don't collect $200. It's easy. <laughs> Speaking of satellites, HARP is important as a tool to study the ionosphere because this level of the atmosphere is too high for study by things like weather balloons or too low for study by things like satellites. So we need things like HARP to really understand the ionosphere. And believe me, HARP definitely increases our knowledge of the ionosphere. By observing the IRI's impact on the ionosphere, scientists can better understand how the ionosphere reacts to constant excitation created by the sun. Okay, aside from using the IRI, there are also a number of instruments at HARP that allow for passive research of the ionosphere. HARPs let the eggheads uh, learn more about the ionosphere, even if they don't shoot their radio waves up there. Uh, all of this is important because it helps scientists better understand what the sun is doing to the ionosphere. And that's important because disturbances in the force, uh, sorry, disturbances in the ionosphere. Nerd. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Metachlorians can lead to disruptions in the power grid or in communication systems here on Earth. Also, HARP's equipment can be used to create a glow in the atmosphere, similar to that of Aurora Borealis. Aurora Borealis, at whatever time of year it is, at whatever time of day it is, in that specific part of Alaska... Localized entirely within the area of the atmosphere where Harp aimed the IRI? Yes. Mm, may I see it? Yeah, sure. If you go to Alaska. Ooh, Art, you sneaky little devil. There's always a catch with you. <laughs> Can't pull a fast one past me, Andy. Well, Art, a lot of people think there's a catch with Harp. Oh, boy. Not everybody is buying the explanation that HARP is some scientific wonder helping humanity better understand the planet we inhabit. Some people think HARP is a tool uh, of some other sneaky little devils, the U.S. government. One of the original HARP truthers was Dr. Nick Begich. Hi, Dr. Nick. Uh, he's not here, Art. Oh. I can't summon Dr. Nick Begich just by saying his name. But if I could, <laughs> we'd go under the sea. You know oh, what I mean? good God. <clears throat> so anyway, Nick Begich is an Alaskan and the son of a former U.S. congressional representative, Nick Begich Sr., who died in a plane crash in Alaska in 1972 and whose body was never recovered. Uh, in 1995, Nick Begich Jr. self-published a book called Angels Don't Play This Harp. In the book and in subsequent speaking engagements and media appearances, Begich made the claim that HARP is actually a prototype weapon. According to Begich, by blasting the ionosphere with radio waves, HARP was capable of turning the atmosphere into a giant lens. He wrote, quote, The result will be an absolutely catastrophic release of pure energy. The sky would literally appear to burn. End quote. Aside from this, Begich also claimed that HARP could be used to control the weather and to cause earthquakes. In addition to being a weapon and weather control device, Begich also claimed that HARP could be used to control minds. According to Begich, HARP's radio waves affect the brain's frequency-following response. The human brain picks up the radio signal from HARP, locks onto that signal, the brain begins to mirror the signal from HARP, and this ultimately changes the individual's brain chemistry, 
altering their behavior. Ooh, very cool. Very MK Ultra. Mm, yeah. Great. Now, while Dr. Nick Begich Jr. was an early exposer of Harp's secrets, Dr. Begich is far from the only person to believe Harp sinister. Russia, the country, mm. uh, really didn't like the U.S. fucking with the ionosphere, even though the Cold War was over. So what gives Russia? Let us Americans fool around with the ionosphere and see what happens. Come on. We promise we won't use our technology for welfare. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God, I need a fucking shower after that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, in the 1990s, a Russian military journal said that the radio blasting the ionosphere would cause electrons to rampage. <laughs> which would flip the Earth's magnetic poles. According to the journal, quote, simply speaking, the planet will capsize, end quote. Uh, basically, the Earth would become Andy in a kayak. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> then in 2002... <laughs> I look like a rotisserie chicken in a kayak. I've been telling you to get the Weeble Wobble technology installed <laughs> into your ass, but you won't listen to me. I just flip over and over and over again. <laughs> Then in 2002, the Russian state uh, Duma, uh, the lower house of, Rus of, uh, of Russia's like legislature, was concerned about Harp's operations, according to reporting done by Moscow Interfax. Um, the report claimed that the Duma said the following in a statement, quote, The U.S. plans to carry out a large-scale scientific experiments under the Harp program and not controlled by the global community, will create weapons capable of breaking radio communication lines and equipment installed on spaceships and rockets, provoke serious accidents in electricity networks and in oil and gas pipelines, and have a negative impact on the mental health of people populating entire regions, end quote. Whew. Later in 2012, a retired Russian military general told the media that he thought, quote, powerful American radars, end quote, in Alaska caused Russia's Phobos Grunt Mars rover um, space mission to fail. The Phobos Grunt rover and a Chinese Mars orbiter that was also aboard were left stranded for a while in low Earth orbit following the failure of the propulsion system. Now, it's also worth mentioning that the Russian government now operates a facility known as the Sura Ionospheric Heating Facility, which is very similar to HARP, these fucking hypocrites. God damn it, Russia. Fucking just at least be honest. Yeah. Fucking. God damn. We're putting our fucking ionospheric heater out here on our sleeves. And you fucking come at us like this, Russia? Yeah. Fuck you. Talking shit about our playing around with the atmosphere. Like you're so much better than us. Fuck you. Fuck your rover. Red fuck, rover, red rover. Phobos. Red rover, red rover. Fuck your rover. Phobos come over. grunt. Fuck you. <laughs> Stupid bullshit. Gonna contaminate Mars with your fucking bullshit rover. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. We know it's just an RC car. That's all it is. It's a really cool RC car. Yeah. Fuck that. Can't even turn the tires sideways like that one RC car that I had. Yeah. She could turn its tires sideways. Yeah. And then like scoot scoot around on the ground. Yeah. That I'd was like fucking cool. Like to see the Phobos Grunt Rover do that. Yeah. Put that on Mars. Yeah. But hey. Non-Russian people also think Harp is up to something. <laughs> 
Uh, similar to the speculation about HARP's effect on Russia's Mars rover, some people think HARP caused the U.S. space shuttle Columbia disaster in 2003. Oh, my goodness. Where the shuttle broke apart and disintegrated on reentry into Earth's atmosphere. HARP sometimes gets credit for the 2006 Southern Leyte mudslide in the Philippines. Some believe that HARP caused the 2008 8.0 magnitude earthquake that rocked Sichuan province in China. In 2010, Hugo Chavez, Venezuela's then president and also a then alive human, blamed HARP for the 2010 Haiti earthquake. HARP has also gotten the blame for the 2011 earthquake and subsequent tsunami in Japan. Some people have blamed HARP for the 2013 tornado that ripped through the city of Moore in the U.S. state of Oklahoma, killing 24 people and injuring 212 more. Uh, how about the 2014 flooding that hit the Balkans in Europe? Yep, some people attribute that to HARP. So you can see, Bunkfunkers, a lot of people believe a lot of things about HARP. People like performer, professional wrestler, and governor of the U.S. state of Minnesota, though not at the same time, which would have been friggin' rad. <laughs> oh my god. That would have been so cool. That would have been so freaking cool. Imagine if he had to be a professional wrestler while being governor. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't have just signed bills. He would have slammed uh, his aides to the table to sign oh, his man. bills and stuff. Disagree with Governor Ventura. You're going to get a metal chair to the back of the skull. That's true. Pal. Of course, we are talking about Jesse Ventura. Oh, oh no. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, I fucked it up. Oh, God. In 2009, Jesse Ventura paid a visit to the Harp facility and demanded to be let inside to see what the fuck was going on up there the air force turned him away but jesse ventura still warned people that harp is up to no good ventura said that the facility was being used for mind control and also this thing can knock planes out of the air it could control the weather and it's very dangerous dangerous weapon it's a very dangerous dangerous weapon it's me jesse ventura just think of knock planes out of the air. All right, I'm losing it. <laughs> That's the best I could do. I tried my best. Now, bugfuckers, aside from all that, <laughs> harp theories even cross over into other potential conspiracies. Harp's a big one. For starters, some people think harp is in cahoots with chemtrails. You see, the chemtrail planes release metallic particles into the atmosphere, which helps make it easier for harp to work its magic on the ionosphere. This manipulation of the ionosphere leads to some funky stuff happening in other parts of the atmosphere, which impacts the weather experienced here on the planet's surface. Also, some of the chemtrails have minuscule aluminum particles in them. The aluminium, uh, if you're British, or anywhere else besides the U.S., apparently. Aluminium. Yeah. Um, not aluminum. Gets inhaled by people and then gets activated by the radiation from HARP, which allows the unsuspecting aluminum breathers to be mind-controlled. But it's not just chemtrails, bunk bunkers. How about UFOs? How about UFOs? How about UFOs? Some people believe that HARP can be used to create vortexes in the atmosphere to allow extraterrestrial crafts into our skies. And yet others say HARP is a weapon to defend the Earth from extraterrestrial spacecraft by shooting them out of the sky. Pew, pew! And still other people think that HARP is just a red herring, a goofy cover for a government facility that tests anti-gravity spacecraft. However, still others say that HARP is projecting holograms of UFOs into the sky in a Project Bluebeam-esque attempt to get people riled up. Oh, Project Bluebeam, you say? 
Well, speaking of the New World Order, Andy, some believe that HARP and its weather control technology is a nod by the NWO to the ancient Semitic. Semitic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Semitic. Semitic. Semitic god Baal. B-A-L-L. Baal. Who was the god of weather, among other things. Um, and hey, speaking of religion, some people think that harp is a sign of the coming apocalypse and a weapon to be used by the Antichrist during the very same apocalypse. After all, Lucifer was an angel at one point. That's part of Lucifer's lore. And angels play, harp, play harps. That's part of angel lore. So it makes sense that a facility called harp would be a weapon used by Lucifer incarnate, the Antichrist, checkmate, atheist. Wow. Clearly. Harp has become a lightning rod for conspiracies, and some folks have, unfortunately, tried to act based on some of these theories. In 2016, two men from the U.S. state of Georgia were arrested on drug and weapons charges. After their arrests, the Coffee County, Georgia Sheriff's Office found a large stash of weapons belonging to the men. The Sheriff's Office said, quote, the massive, amounts, uh, the massive amount of arsenal seized looked like something out of a movie, one where a small army was headed to war, end quote. Investigators in the case learned that the men planned to carry out a terrorist attack on Harp because they believed Harp had mind and weather control abilities, as well as having capabilities to imprison people's souls, which prevented the souls from going to heaven. Michael Vickers, a sheriff's office detective, told the Alaska Dispatch News that the men said, quote, that God told them to go and blow this machine up that kept souls so souls could be released, end quote. I guess that's not the end of the quote. Wow. Uh, this is still more of the quote. All I can tell you is they were planning on blowing up the machine, Vickers said, going to try to find a scientist to steal his car and ID badge to gain access. Any scientist. Just any End random quote. scientist. All that just to release the new Dark Souls game. Incredible. <laughs> um, so far, we've heard a lot from theorists. So now it's time to hear a, a rebuttal, rebuttal from the eggheads, uh, which I'm sure will be longly worded. <laughs> One of the most frequently argued claims about HARP is that it has the ability to control the weather. Scientists at HARP say that that's not fucking possible because the Earth's weather happens in lower parts of the atmosphere, the troposphere and the stratosphere, uh, which, you know, very, very cool guitar licks being happening up there in the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah. Also good in the fender sphere. That's right. Uh, the Gibson sphere, very solid too. Um, now, with uh, with most of the Earth's weather, ha weather happening in the troposphere and the lower levels of the atmosphere, these layers of uh, the atmosphere are well below the ionosphere. So HARP scientists say that HARP's equipment does not impact them. To those that say that HARP's work is the ionosphere uh, might have a trickle-down effect on our weather. HARP scientists say that the amount of energy the IRI shoots into the ionosphere is way, way less than what we naturally comes from our sun. And it the effects go away pretty quickly. So the scientists don't see how HARP could do enough to the ionosphere to actually do anything in other layers of the atmosphere. Uh, Umran Inan, a president of uh, Kok University in Turkey, or Kok University, I know which one I'm going with. Yeah. I, yeah, I, have a, I, have a, I was a bachelor's at uh, Kok University. <laughs> <laughs> god damn it <laughs> go I got, fighting penises I got my PhD at Cock University 
just too easy. In Turkey, said that the uh, said that the weather control accusations were quote completely uninformed end quote and that there's n- absolutely nothing we can do to disturb the Earth's weather systems, even though the power harp radiates is very large. It's it's actually even though it's very large, it's minuscule compared to the power of a lightning flash, and there are fifty to hundred lightning flashes every second. Harp's intense intensity is very small, end quote. I mean, that's coming from Cock University. So, I mean, you can you can trust. Well, you can see why they admitted us. Yeah, you can trust the word of Cock. When Cock takes a stand, that's right. You can trust it. That's right. Uh, now, having said all that, bunkfunkers, other eggheads are currently working on cloud seeding projects that is increasing the precipitation yield of storm systems. It involves shooting ionized laser beams into clouds. Now, having said that, it's worth mentioning that these methods rely on water vapor already being in the air, thereby modifying the weather rather than manufacturing it from scratch. It's also worth mentioning that some cloud seeding programs only report precipitation increases in specific storm systems of 5 to 15%, which, at the end of the day, is a pretty small amount compared to the impact of all weather globally. But these egghead debunkers don't stop there. They also point out that the radio waves emanating from Harp's IRI are 100, 100 times less strong than the radio waves coming out of mobile devices. So, you know, if someone wanted to control your mind, your phone would be a better method than Harp. <laughs> Art, wouldn't it be wild if two comedian skeptics started a podcast and the particularly obnoxious tone of their voices caused their fans to be mind controlled? Wouldn't that be so funny, Art? <laughs> Lol, Andy. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. www.patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod. <laughs> anyway, Bob McCoy, the director of University of Alaska Fairbanks Geophysical Institute, the operators of HARP, sums up the egghead answer to HARP theories this way. Quote, no, it's not a weapon, and it couldn't be. The way high-frequency radios work is that the atmosphere is transparent to those signals. If we made this 100 times bigger and tried, we still couldn't affect the weather. Mines? Electrical signals in the mind are very low frequency. Harp is very large frequency. The waves are meters long, so there's no way they could control mines. End quote. So I guess one way you could put it is that scientists don't believe any of the theories. But what do you believe, bunkfunkers? Is Harp an ordinary, run-of-the-mill, cutting-edge ionospheric research facility? Or is it a malevolent weather and mind control superweapon wielded by the New World Order? Or, bunkfunkers, maybe it's both? Whatever the case might be, bunkfunkers, you are odd fellows. But I must say, your mind chummies ingest a good whole enchilada. Ah, Seymour! The house is on fire! No, mother. That's just harp. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. 
The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Ooh, it sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know, Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art Debunked, available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art... Laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need. And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord. Andy, we need to get you to a hospital. We need to get me to patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. So chilly. Oh, God. I'm shilled to the bone. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of harp. Andy. Hi, Bunky Bunkies. I don't mean to harp on the topic. <laughs> but what the fuck? <laughs> what's going on up there in this ionosphere? Am I right? Ah, man, who fucking knows what's happening in the ionosphere? A bunch of fucking plasma and electrons and shit? Like, I Jeez. don't know. This is this is a literally a little above my head. You watch some of the stuff that that fucking egghead uh, Eastland came up with, and you're like, what the fuck? He did all these fucking calculations, and there's all this spirals and things, and the flipping over, and I'm like, what the? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You're losing me, dog. Yeah. He's a fucking <laughs> I watched a video the other day. Did you see this? Of uh, This guy wrote a program that... Um, Basically, in your computer terminal makes a um, donut that spins. Mm-hmm. And as it spins, the different shades of the ashy, uh, ashy characters um, like change so that it looks like an actual 3D donut. Have you ever seen that? And then he wrote the code in a donut. You ever see that? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I think I kind of have the idea where it's it's not actually three-dimensional. No rendering. It's just because it changes. Right. It looks like it's a rotating. But it's using thing. two di- two dimensional right uh, characters, obviously. Yeah. But the the underlying math behind it is like holy fuck! All these matrices to use to like what it actually is is a it's a circle, right? It's it's a flat circle that um, spins on a radius or whatever, mm-hmm. and like creates a. But like as it spins, it's you know it's. It's spinning on a race. So it's basically creating a donut. And then he's fucking fl- Oh my God. The math behind it is like, what the fuck? Yeah. Makes you feel dumb as shit. That's what I'm getting <laughs> at is that this whole topic just makes you feel like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like I, a dummy. I, I hear you on that art. I mean, like, holy shit. And it's like, to me, this is like, oh, this is stuff about our planet. Like, we should probably know more about this. But I'm like, I guess I don't know anything about the atmosphere. Oh my God. It's so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> It is boring. It sucks. <laughs> it fucking sucks. 
<laughs> atmosphere is so boring. <laughs> just like, I don't know, just fucking take me yeah. to space. Yeah. yeah. Take me to space. Yeah, nobody cares about the atmosphere. It's like, we either want to live here on the planet and learn about that, or we want to fucking get into space. Nobody, let's get to Mars and get the fuck off. The atmosphere is, the atmosphere is like, uh, it's like you being super interested in like a toll booth. <laughs> You're like, oh, I don't give a, I don't give a shit about where I came from or where I'm going. I want that. I want to learn about that fucking toll booth. Yeah. What goes on in there? Yeah. How do they make that thingy go up and down? I've never talked to a person who works at a toll booth for more than like 30 seconds. Oh, really? You seem like the type to fucking shit chat them. No like, hey. way. I want to get, I don't even. You fucking whip your change at them. Don't look, you? look, I got the transponder in the car now. I don't even roll down the window. You actually flick them off. Like, <laughs> I've seen you. <laughs> Open the gate. I shout through the window. Open the gate. And I'm flipping them off. <laughs> Andy comes from a long line of uh, of people screaming about opening gates. I mean, he has you have ancestors back to the Middle Ages who would uh, scream to open the gates of the castle to let yeah. you in. Yeah, yeah. I come from a long line of uh, you know destitute serfs who <laughs> yeah, were, were horrified of everything and always were barred from entering uh, establishments. Yeah. yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people not allowed in polite society in my family tree. Open the gate. <laughs> yeah, you actually um. You fill up socks with all the change. You just fucking whip it at them. <laughs> yeah. Before you had your little transponder. Yeah. 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 I was pretty aggressive about it. Um, <gasps> I whip it in there and then I just blast through the gate, whether they open it or not. <laughs> if that gate doesn't open within half a second, you're fucking blasting through it. The, you're stomping, stomping it. The accelerator. Oh, man. You ever um, get to a toll booth and then the person inside is... Like they make a change and then they have to, they go inside and a new toll booth worker comes in. You ever have that happen to you? Um, I have been at the toll plaza when the toll booth workers are walking between. Cause you know, once you, for like, I think about these people when they finish their shift, they got to fucking walk across all these lanes of traffic wow. just, just to get like out of it. Cause there's nothing in a toll booth. You know, it's not like there's that any, we know of. Well, that's true that we know of. There could be a false bottom on the toll booth. Yeah, and it could, could be, be a toilet. Underground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe all the seats in the toll booth are just toilets. Would kind of make sense. We should manage a toll booth. Yeah, my toll booth. You don't need to take breaks. You're sitting on a toilet. Piss and shit while you're doing your work. We could save uh, state transportation budgets so much money. I mean, they have to, but like there's gates that you can that stall the traffic so that you can walk across. Yeah. I get it. It's still... Yeah, still scares me. Still a little scary, but it it can be a little frustrating. Any toll booth you, workers you mean, out there who listen to this show, let us know. Yeah, uh, you mean have I ever been at a toll booth interacting with a worker and they go, "Sorry, it's my end of my shift." No, no. I mean, you get there and obviously the gate is closed, but then the person like it's their time to take a break or their shift is done, and so they get out, and you just have to fucking wait for the new person to come by. You know what really gets me is when you go. I have the transponder, so. They have these, you know, like you can go, there are some toll places where there's nobody working. Right. It just picks up the signal from your transponder and the gate comes up automatically. They're doing more and more of those. Yeah. And then people, but. Well, Illinois has a lot of automatic ones where you just keep driving. So they have have like signage where it's like, here's where you go if you don't have the transponder. And here's where you go if you have the transponder. Cash versus whatever. And people go and they don't have a transponder. Or their transponder doesn't have money on it, or whatever. Like their account doesn't have the money, so they, the gate won't come up. So then, really, through in the 
through that thing, then they have to sit there and try and get in because there's a machine, you know, so you have to get the ticket or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so then it, it just everybody's waiting and there's nowhere to go. And they do that in Ohio, don't they? Do what? They have a ticket system. Yeah. Where it's like where you get on and then where you get off, you punch your little fucking ticket. You Ohio, can actually Indiana, see you buy all a the... ticket. And that's... Illinois doesn't do that. No. There's no tickets. No. New York does it. Yeah. Some places, that's how they that's how they measure, I think. Right. I think that- um, It's like fucking 15 bucks to drive across But then Ohio. it's like in, in West Virginia, it's more like it's more like Illinois where you just pay- you know, you go, whatever section you go to, you stop and you pay the toll and it's the same toll. Flat toll. Whereas it's like with with uh, Ohio, you, you get a ticket when you get on the highway and then you pay based on like how far it's been. So there's so Let me guess, you fucking have that whole thing memorized. I don't ever go on the toll road there. I don't need to. <laughs> Where I, we're going, we don't need tolls. I know my way around. They... But it's you know there's periodic and you you pay everybody pays there. Yeah. But if you don't go the full distance, you only pay for the part that you go. Right, right, right. So it's like in a place like Illinois, for example, you get on and you pay whatever the toll is. Yeah. And then when you when you get off the road, you know it's like then you just get off of the of the road when mm-hmm. you get off the highway. So you you paid whether you went this whole distance or not. Right. It's a flat. It's flat. Yeah. Thing. So um. So it's flat versus variable. I think unless they're. They have a method of marking how long you've traveled, but I don't know. Maybe yeah, they I don't do. Think so. I don't think knows. So. I don't. I don't drive, so I don't. I've never. I don't yeah. think I've ever paid a toll in my life. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't you pay, got a lot of making up to do. I don't pay any troll tolls. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know what? Here's the thing, though. It's more on the state's fault because they've never asked me a riddle. That's true. That's the <laughs> only way I'm ever going to pay a, a toll is if you ask me a riddle and that's I don't true. solve it correctly. Wow. So. I never thought of it that way. The answer is always either time or a comb. Well, hint Those for are all the only riddle two, masters. Only two answers to every riddle. Yeah, time. What gets wetter as it dries? Time. Time. What does get wetter as it dries? A towel. That's a clever one. Thanks. But it doesn't fit into my model. Therefore, therefore, it's not a genuine riddle. Not a genuine riddle that I'll solve. <laughs> um, here's the thing with Harp, Andy. Yeah. It is the perfect boogeyman of the conspiracy world. Oh wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Because Isn't the science it? is just difficult enough and extremely boring enough <laughs> to be stretched by the uninformed to mean absolutely anything. It's too dense and obscure yeah. for people en masse to understand what's happening. Right, right, right. And <laughs> and you... En this masse. is like a classic, classic tale of... The system works in a way that lends itself to making this seem way more suspicious than it is. Oh, because yeah. Because it's all Bernard Eastland's fault. Yeah, fuck that guy. Because he filed all those patents. And all it's doing is like, he's he's like, just being like, he's just casting a wide net. Because it's like, oh. He's got dollar signs in his eyes. Yeah, exactly. If they decide to develop any of this technology, he thinks, theoretically, maybe this could do this. Even though he has no idea if it would actually work or not, but he's like theoretically, it maybe it could. So he files a patent. He's not saying that yeah, this thing does this, and I need to patent this technology. It's like well, if it does turn out that it does this, I want to make that quiche. Right. I need this quiche. Big government contract. Huge yeah. government contract. And this apparently is like how science works. It's one hundred percent how science. You works. You come up with a good idea, and you're like, well, how else could we use it? Let me file a bunch of patents. The patents don't mean anything. It's not real. Right. It's just speculative. Right. I mean, 
Here's the thing. I don't want to stir the pot here, okay? Oh, I want you to. With a controversial statement, but uh, this is kind of what's going on with our buddy here, Elon Musk. Oh. Don't you think? Oh, my. Oh, he's going to coming out. Uh, this, I just think. This I'm show's just, about to be ended, everybody. I'm just saying that there's a lot of- Art and I are going to be working in the emerald mines before long. <laughs> Yowza. Oh, boy, talking about his family history. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yowza. You go to Blood Diamond. It's me, Leonardo DiCaprio. From the movie Blonde Diamond. <laughs> yeah, that there is a... <laughs> Blood Diamond would be a good name for a professional wrestler. Blood Diamond would be a great name for a professional wrestler. I mean, I don't know what that character would be like based off of that. It probably would be pretty offensive. And, probably. Um, I don't know how comfortable I would be with it, but... Name. Here's the thing. He, he wins. I think he has like three different... Highly lucrative government contracts to build rockets. Elon Musk. Yeah. For uh, the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. Like he's building, you know, and and maybe I'm like, I'm 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 obviously I admit I'm a bit of a cynic about things, and I think sure. you are probably too. Sure. Or at least you used to be. Um I think at a certain level though, don't you think that like when when certain things like companies mm -hmm. they get to a certain level, mm -hmm. you think that the quote unquote powers that be or like this this sort of uh rogue element or you know like the uh, military industrial complex or whatever you want to say big time darpa this like darpa this kind of like amalgam what, who what is DARPA? nobody knows anything about darpa what is darpa like yeah they i think do you think that they like approach these companies and they go like listen like you're gonna have to pay the troll toll if you want to get into this Ionic sphere hole. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> do you think that they come like not like with Facebook? Do you think Facebook reached a certain level, and then the government was kind of like, listen, the NSA was kind of like, listen, you're gonna give us some of that data, or like, we're gonna shut you down. Do you think that that kind of stuff happens behind closed doors? I have no proof for any of this. This is just speculation. Yeah, I'm sure that the government like pressures like big companies like to. I mean, obviously, Elon but, has an incentive to win those contracts because they're unbelievably lucrative. Yeah, the government government is known for, like, spending way more money than they should for stuff. Right. Because it doesn't it doesn't operate like like a business. Like, But I'm saying there's know. probably more nefarious, less than... I mean, I guess it, we get into a philosophical argument here of, like, well, how much of what Elon is trying to do is good versus the how his uh, rocket technology will be used possibly to create weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and who knows what else? Like, like, do you think this guy is like literally like, like how is this guy allowed to like potentially drill tunnels under Los Angeles? Yeah. Well, let me respond to that in a few ways. Okay. All right. First of all, the thing that I want to say is like, let's never be, let's never be confused about Elon Musk. If Elon Musk really cared about us, he would not be a billionaire. You know, like yeah. Elon Musk cares about Elon Musk uh, and making money and becoming very rich. And if some things help humanity along the way, great. But that's not his primary objective. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, or he wouldn't have he wouldn't have billions of dollars. He would be pumping them into research and development. I don't know how I mean, I don't know that much about Elon Musk, but I'm, I'm not some Musk fanboy either. I just want a self-driving car so I don't have to drive myself. So <laughs> if fucking, if, uh, what are that other one, comma from George Holtz gets yeah. established well, first is, versus Tesla, I don't know. Just give me a self-driving car. All I'm saying I don't is Elon drive. Musk's personal wealth has nothing to do yeah. with developing. Uh, it's not like he's putting his own personal wealth 
at stake to develop a self-driving car. He's yeah. putting the, you know. I do think that he's trying to push the market forward towards EVs, which are sure. an admirable cause because they are better than, um, you know, gasoline power. Yeah, sure. But Tesla is a for-profit company. It's right. not like it's right. a, you know. Right, it's not a research grant. Yeah, it's not like his salary is like 50 bucks a year and he <laughs> does this out of the goodness of his heart. Like, I mean, that's that's the first thing. Yeah. Is I think, to me, and maybe I gauge this situation wrong is that a lot of people are like oh Elon Musk he does so much for the world and he cares about making things better it's like he cares about making money I, th- I don't know if those are mutually exclusive though yeah but I'm saying like yeah because I do guess, think he's like an intelligent said, guy he's a oh, smart yeah. guy sure but I'm guessing that if somebody said to him hey Elon like yeah you're gonna do this for free adventure <laughs> you can either you know you could give up all of your fortune right and humanity will be foundationally changed forever. Right. right I think that he right. would probably be like, mm. yeah, I don't think any, I, could, I don't I could think probably make incremental changes with this knowledge and still be rich. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think any, I mean, if he wants to rebut this, that's fine. He can, if he wants to come on the show, he can do I mean, it. I don't know that I would believe him even if he said it Yeah. because nobody could offer him that. So, I mean, that's it's all true hypothetical, but at any rate, that's what I'll say first. And then sure. second of all, I'll say, I do, I think that when, companies get big it's like there is incentive to go after government contracts because they are lucrative oh you can go after government contracts even if you're not huge yeah i'm saying though is there's some kind of pay for play kind of situation going on behind closed doors that's nefarious yeah like obviously facebook with their data collection and all that shit is coming under scrutiny from the government but um it's probably less like hey we're gonna come bust the doors down and you'll be under federal investigation for like whatever but yeah. it's more like well you know you get pretty favorable tax treatment in this jurisdiction maybe if those uh tax abatements went away <laughs> i don't know i don't know yeah maybe yeah maybe we'll look the other way because you give us all the fucking data yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know i mean i agree with you though i think spirit. that prior thing probably happens yeah more often than not yeah where there's like a t- there's shady scratch, stuff going on scratch our back yeah scratch and, and sniff yeah scratch scratch and sniff we won't you know we won't whack what do you think you? Mark Zuckerberg smells like? Like crackers. Tuna. Cat piss. <laughs> One of those three. What do I think he smells like? Man. Uh, like. Probably smells a little bit. Like, I feel like if you. Hospital. Keep... Yeah. Yeah. Like hospital. A, like our bed. Yeah. Motor oil. <laughs> Hello, it is me, Mark Zuckerberg. No, um, I think. I think he definitely smells like um like a hospital. God, he's a bizarre guy. You know that smell where it's like I fucking hate the hospital smell. To anybody that we know who works in a hospital, I apologize. You know, we appreciate what you do. It has nothing to do with you. Oh, I hate hospitals. It's just the way the smells. The hospitals hate the smell, hate being in them. Hate yeah. Them. Hate it. It's like hospitals have that smell where it's it's very That smelly smell. It's that it's, smells something. Smelly. Smelly. <laughs> they I mean, don't get crabby on me here, but the <laughs> hospitals, they have that, they have an aroma that's like clean, but Ugh. so void of any satisfaction. Uh, I don't know. It just, it smells like, yeah, there's just something kind of gross. There's like a hospitals. medical smell. Yeah, it's a medical smell. It's a medical smell and there's nothing pleasant anywhere. Right. 
There's no like relief from it. It's just a medical smell constantly. Well, you've got a lot of stinky people sitting on these hospital beds who are sweating and they're only showering like once a day, mm-hmm. if, some if, of, if at all. And some of them are shitting directly into their beds. That's true. So you've got shit. You've got like a chemically smell that's kind of trying to cover up all the other smells right. going on. Yeah. It's a lot like coming into my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of chemical smells in there. Yeah. Trying to cover up all your other smells. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when Peon is doing his chores, you know, I make him I make him bring out the bleach power, the power bleacher. That's right. And just hose everything down in there because, oh boy. It stinks. But I don't I don't stay in the room while he does that. Right. Obviously. No, no, no. No, that's his problem. I'm out showering in the uh outdoor shower. The garden hose? Yeah. You can just call it what it is. <laughs> well, you know, you put it over the corner of the garage, it's like a shower. <laughs> you know, you just thread it a little bit over yeah, the corner yeah. of the roof uh-huh. and then it, the water rains down on you. I keep telling you that we need to put some kind of curtain around that so that you're not bathing openly in the no, nude. There's no, there's no reason to do that. I mean, we live 50 feet from the road and we're plenty far back. A bunker is not that close to the road. Right. I mean, right. You know, I do, I do shower in front of the bunker. I'm just saying you drop the and soap. There's no a lot. there's no proper stall. You really maybe at least a soap rack. Because you're dropping that soap constantly and bending <laughs> over. <laughs> well, where would we put it? But of course, you know, it's out there and I don't know. It's like it's every time, you know, it's like, oh, oh, here's the mail. Here's the the mail carrier. Like, oh, ooh, it scared me. I dropped the soap. And it's just like it's a real comedy of errors because that thing always slips out and it's like <laughs> I always parts. always goes the opposite direction of the mail carrier. So and then, of course, you know, I'm out there in the dirt, so it's in a muddy puddle, you know, where I'm showering. And so I, it's hard to pick up the soap. Yeah, it's a real... And so uh, I'm just standing there, you know, my brown eye winking at the mail carrier. <laughs> it's a real uh, Ouroboros end. there because you're constantly getting muddy and dirty, but oh also cleaning God. yourself at the same time. Yeah, it's it's it's... But it's nice to be outside. I'm sure. The fresh air does a body good. You know, it's like being in an Irish Spring commercial, being out there. <laughs> Um, what about this with harp? I was thinking about this. Um, so there's, there's scientific experiments happening all the time, like everywhere, right? There's science happening everywhere. We just don't know about it. All the time science everywhere. So let's say in order to study the ionosphere that harp didn't need this giant big field of weird looking antennas. Okay. Maybe they just needed like a balloon or like some fucking air samples or a solar panel or some Mm -hmm. stupid bullshit. Do you think people would still give as much of a fuck? Like, do you think that the uh, the look of harp contributes anything to making people feel uneasy about it, or is it just the research, Eastland's research? Uh, I think that it's. I think that the look of it doesn't help because it is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It does. Look, it's very like. Uh, it looks very like secret military tech. Yeah. Although I do have to say that. And and this contributes to is that it was a facility run by the military. It was the Air Force operated it for um, you know the the earliest part of its existence up until 2014, uh, 15, I guess when they handed it over. The Air Force, the military stopped using it really in 2014, mm-hmm. but then in 2015 they transferred the operations over to University of Alaska Fairbanks. So when the military's in charge of it, you can't go there. Right. Right. And it did work on 
projects that were secret or classified. Right. And kernels of truth. Kernels of truth. That helps, you know, lead to speculation. The general sort of feeling is that they were working on communications with, you know, things like submarines. Right. And so that's why it's classified because they don't want anybody to know how, you know, we're going to communicate with submarines or what that research uncovered. Now that Alaska Fairbanks is in charge, you can go tour Harp. Yeah. They have open houses. Right. Of course, people like Nick Begich. Nick Begich. Yeah, famously in the Vice documentary, the Vice guy, who I have to say looks a lot more, you know, down to earth than most Vice <laughs> news correspondents. Still, though, has that lovely Vice smugness. Yeah. And just sort of air about uh, of, of all Vice products where it's just like, you know that love. There's just some about it. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Where it's like, some they're just like vice kind of is, biting. It's just like, yeah. are you being a fucking dickhead? Yeah, it's like Vice sometimes <laughs> puts out good information. They or do. Like, it's interesting stuff, and then like, but I also don't feel great about it. It's like watching it. I'm like, hmm. it's like I'd rather watch Louis Thoreau do stuff like be that fly on the wall journalist where Louis just kind of asks questions. Uh-huh. He doesn't really put like a. You just you can tell like Louis comes at it like a way of like well I want to understand your point of view right and I want to challenge you to explain it whereas Vice is kind of like do you really do you really think that but really but really mm-hmm. anyway yes he 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 confronts Nick Bedge and says like well why don't you go tour it they have open houses and Bedge is like yeah I know they have open house stage it's me Nick Doctor Nick Bedge. It's me, Dr. Nick Begich. <laughs> this is Jesse Ventura. Oh, yeah, I know that they have open house days that are at the Harp. I'm not going to go visit, though. I know why. I know what I would say. I don't know what I would say. Oh, no. Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Nick... <laughs> it's melting. <laughs> oh, no. He's not used to being out of Alaska. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is Nick Begich says... Yeah, he refuses to go. He's not going to go to Harp because he doesn't need to go because he's not going to see anything that he doesn't already know. And, and he they're makes, not going to show him anything. He makes a large amount of money off of his Harp book. Right. And his Harp tours. Yeah, he does say that. He does it at the top. Like yeah. He's like, I make a lot of fucking money off this. It's been printed a lot of different times. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing is like people like Nick Begich then say like, well, I don't need to go to Harp because the facility is a sham anyway. They're not going to show you what they actually do there. Yeah, of course. Right, right. They can right, say right, this right, and right, say right. that, but that's the whole thing is that it's not it's not real. That's not actually what they're doing. Um, it's a tough one because there is the kernels of truth with it. This mm-hmm. started under a lot of the things that people are saying it still does. It's yeah. very MK Ultra-y where I think the question is, is there any part of it where they're still testing this stuff, right? Like MK Ultra was a real thing that really happened. That the government really did try to uh, create sleeper agents and control people and test people's brains and shoot them full of LSD and make them susceptible to influence and tried to push thoughts into somebody's brain through whatever fucking radio waves and all this other bullshit. Alpha, gamma, whatever you want to call it. Delta waves. The question with it is, is not did MKUltra exist? It did. Is it still going on? And is Harp part of it? Harp started is like, hey, we can fucking shoot stuff into the sun. We can shoot stuff in the ionosphere and blow up missiles. Hey, we can use it to communicate. Hey, we can use it to shoot thoughts into people's brains and make them stop. 
Yeah, I mean that kind of that kind of frequency wave technology, I think, exists in sound form at least. I know that like there's riot control apparatus that military and law enforcement services have that can like you can like shoot sound waves at people or something, and it like forces you to stop. Yeah, it's so fucking jarring. Yeah, like yep. high frequency waves or some bullshit. Well, you know. Th- they make the point in the uh the 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 director of the geophysical institute at Alaska Fairbanks makes this point that harp itself generates high frequency waves mm. like that's what it does it does very high frequency raves but raves high frequency raves yeah they, very cool raves the are open going house on down there. very cool raves oh my god uh, you just show up with if that you haven't been to one of the Gakona raves like yeah. <laughs> fucking missing out yeah show up with your your biggest jinko jeans <laughs> And all of your glow sticks. And your glow sticks and your pacifier in your mouth. That's your full. rainbow wig. Oh, yeah. Um, Cat and hat hat. But they, Harp does very large frequency radio waves. Right. And the idea is that they shoot that into the ionosphere. It interacts with the, it, you know, it changes the composition of the ionosphere in that section where they send it. And through that, they can, um, you know, help produce... The elf, right? Uh, extremely low frequency waves, which is what you need to like operate on the human brain, right? So it can do that. The real question is like, and they they could target this so that it could like send a message to the submarines, like they they, you know, allegedly they were able to do that. We know from MK Ultra that bombarding a person with uh, radio waves could actually potentially work right you know whether they could get somebody to be mind controlled is kind of another matter right right but right. could they put a thought in somebody's head it's like yeah it seems like they could right put a thought in somebody's head so it's like is it possible that harp could do like harp could generate the kind of waves that could do that but it's still that question of like can like mind control itself is that possible it's it's like i don't think i don't think there's like a definitive answer to that question no and then it's like is harp doing that it doesn't seem like it but at the same time it's like could it maybe maybe like, i mean and then who knows in what kind of area if they could if they could pass a message or a communication through to a submarine and that's like going like through the earth like bouncing it off the ionosphere, like they shoot the message up, high frequency waves, it gets converted up there into low frequency waves, which then can like bounce through the through the bottom of the ocean, like to get picked up by the submarine. It's like, what else could your brain pick up on from that? Valid points, Andy. I don't know. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, we know we can get into verdicts tonight if you want, but. Um... There's there's also the weather component and all this sort of uh, UFO components and the kind of it's our friend Project Bluebeam is back. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's just it's 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 the perfect boogeyman because it's like there's a lot of yeah. science here that is hard to understand. It's hard to communicate it to non-science SMEs, subject matter experts who. Can understand this i mean mm-hmm. that one youtube video 
does a decent job, but it loses you after a while. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I mean, I can't follow the whole thing. Right. It's a curious droid video. Right. Uh, that we watched, we're researching, and it's very. It explains in depth like how harp works, and I get everything. the gigawatts part. That's kind of neat. They're like, well, I can't even generate. Yeah. This, this amount of energy, you're going to need like 100 gigawatts to do what Eastland was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Harp Harp, Harp sub, s- suffers from a lot of confusion because, like you said, nobody really understands it because it there's like the difference between radio, like the wattage on the radio and like your electric wattage. And it's like there's some like radio industry like jargon right. that converted whatever whatever frequency harp can generate it got converted into something and people confuse that for being like power output which it's not it's not the electrical output it's the radio output and it's like a it's like a theoretical like marketing kind of a term right um again it's like it's all above my head because of i don't understand radio waves or marketing or Or the film radio or yeah i don't understand coach jones (laughs) Ed Harris, he's, he's acting. It's just not. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. What's he going for? Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. It's. It's a tough one. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not as hot on the weather stuff. You know, yeah. I, it, that kind of stuff is sort of. But like, you know what? I mean, there's some solid kernels of truth here. This came from. This came from some pretty sketchy. Well, not even sketchy. I mean, it's very clear. Uh, but a pretty sketchy background. I mean, it's. The stuff that Eastland is proposing is like Star Wars anti-missile system, literally fucking potential mind control. Uh, you know, yeah. he's literally talking about it. It's like, yeah, you could use this to like, I mean, it's obviously like, well, we're only going to use it on combatants. It's like, yeah. okay, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Cause our military only ever attacks combatants and only ever kills enemy combatants and they never kill civilians yeah or or attack each and other and it's not on like accident. they almost constantly kill people who they sh- aren't supposed to kill or anything um <laughs> on the weather i think i you know it's like i just don't think that harp is big enough no like cloud seeding technology is still pretty new mm-hmm. and while it's while it works it's a thing that they can do like the yields on it are pretty low and it's it's like super local right like you can only impact a storm like a storm in a specific spot where you're doing the cloud seeding and ultimately that's not you know it's like you i guess to like do cloud seeding and like create a huge storm You'd need like a storm front to exist. Right. And then you can't like, manufacture a cloud. It has to be already there. Like, You're just altering it. And then all along the storm front, you have to have cloud seeding like machines. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to keep having that like like you then to target it, you'd have to have the machines go along with the storm. Like there's no remote control for a storm. Here's what I propose. We need to get that little guy from Mario Kart. <laughs> who that little Koopa Troopa who hangs yeah. out in the cloud what is has that guy's a little, name? little fishing pole and he can lift. Uh, Think about that. Yeah, let's get that guy. Yeah, what's, what's that guy up to? Let's put him in a cloud. Well, he's got a name. Is it uh, Lakitu? I don't know. Uh, I am not an expert. On, uh, I'm going to Google it. Koopa with cloud. Cloud Koopa Mario. His name is Lakitu. Wow. Right. 
baby. He, he is a cute little guy. He's got little um Koopa? he's got little uh, goggles and he's got he's a little Koopa Troopa. Drops creatures called HB Jesse Ventura. I want to tell you all about a new conspiracy. There's a Koopa Troopa up in the clouds. He's a small turtle like creature. And he is going to rain down havoc on us American people. He's going to throw a spiky shell, a blue shell, that will destroy the first place person. That is obviously me, the governor of Minnesota. <laughs> it's me, Jesse Ventura. I have transcended my physical form, and I exist now only in the void known as the ether. I'm here located on Rainbow Road. Me and the key two are partying. I, I'm now I'm now the governor of Rainbow Road. And I ain't got a bowser. <laughs> oh no, I'm having a little stroke. <laughs> also, a, I've been eating peanut butter constantly <laughs> for the last 40 years. There's a small vigilante Italian plumber who seeks to destroy me and my kingdom. Yeah, I've got a good thing going on here in Rainbow Road. The Mushroom Kingdom. Oh, sorry. I gotta <laughs> go eat more peanut butter marshmallow fluff. Him and his sexy brother, who wears only green clothes, Luigi, also a vigilante plumber, seeks to destroy me and Bowser. I'm trying to capture his princess. We keep transporting her to another castle. And the pop and the people, the mushroom people. There's <laughs> a conspiracy theory. I want to see what Alec Jones has to say about the, uh, should we call him up? <laughs> well, let me tell you about Rainbow Road. <laughs> Back in 1985, <laughs> my father visited Rainbow Road. <laughs> Not of his own volition either. He was kidnapped in the night and taken there by globalist government scum, and they made him. They made him drive around in a go kart. You mean you mean Goomba? Goomba globalist scum. Goomba Goombalist. Goombalist scum. I'm telling you, they made him drive around in a go kart in a freaking go kart. <laughs> They've got him driving around in a freaking go kart. There's not even any bumpers or guardrails on this road. You could just fall off the whole goddamn thing. Okay, I'm serious. They make him drive around on a freaking go-kart. Around and around and around. Three whole laps he's got to make on this. Every time he falls off, some little, little, little turtle in a cloud comes down with a fishing pole and brings it back up. That's unnatural. It's unnatural. And this goodwill scum can't be allowed to perpetrate these crimes against our people. He's obviously being injected with uh, with LSD and mushrooms and different uh, psych uh, psychotropic drugs. He's being he's being assaulted. There's there's they're shooting turtle shells at him the whole time he's driving. These are ICBM turtle. These people shells. are doing mushrooms. They are high on psychedelic drugs. They interact with the rainbow colors of the road. They're having a super huge drug trip psychedelic experience. My father's witnessed the whole thing. <laughs> they are drinking. They are they are ingesting literal stars, and it is turning the freaking toads gay. There's a guy named Toad, and he's cl clearly gay. <laughs> I looked up drawings of him on the internet, 
And he's always sucking penis. He's gay or at least bi. <laughs> Yoshi's cool, though. God damn, it would be cool to ride a dinosaur. Yeah. Dinosaur with a huge tongue. Shoots, shits out eggs. Dinosaur with a huge tongue that lays eggs. <laughs> Eats, fruit. Eats fruit. Literally, literally, your ride or die because you jump off of him and he dies to let you live. Yoshi, folks, Yoshi is the Jesus Christ of the Super Mario universe. He died so you could live. That's true. Mario is on a quest against these goombalists to 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 secure his his pure and clean Christian wife to make human babies to make human Italian babies to make human plumber babies. <laughs> we're tired of all these sick abominations that were created in the lab by the goombalist scum. Yeah. There's there's anthropomorphic turtles. There's there's weird little brown turd like men with only feet attached to their bodies. They have no other limbs. There are these. Uh, what could their purpose be? What could they possibly do? They have no other limbs. Large ape creatures dressed in suits that throw barrels. This is a hellscape. I this, promise you. This is not a world you want to go to, folks. There are literal turtles. These are pedophile scum. Okay, I have seen that this Kong creature has smaller Kong creatures that he shoves inside of a barrel with him. I have seen it happen. They travel by minecart. Oh. <laughs> And they collect bananas. Bananas are a currency. That means pedophiles. They are sucking the lifeblood of these monkey children. They're sucking their lifeblood. There's lots of different islands, too. Okay. Jeffrey Epstein owns one of these islands in the Mushroom Kingdom. Jeffrey Epstein, of course, did not die. He now lives in the Mushroom Kingdom on one of his private islands. Where he's allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. Nobody's got any oversight. Oh, do you think Bowser's going to keep an eye on him? Bowser's yeah. going to make him do what's right? Bowser is a proxy by the Goombalists, okay? He's just set up to to make it as a distraction. He can't even keep uh, he, he he can't even keep Princess Peach in one castle. How many castles does this guy have? No, it's not possible for one person, one giant reptile to have this much, this many castles. Clearly, <laughs> Bowser is a figurehead. For the Goombalist New World Order, the shadow government that sits behind all of the Mushroom Kingdom, there is a new Mushroom Order, NMO, and <laughs> Bowser is, is just a figurehead. He is a red herring. Do not get distracted by Bowser. Bowser is not the true evil. The true evil are all the Goombalist scum that sit in their cabal behind <laughs> Bowser and abducted my father and made him drive around Rainbow Road for three laps. <laughs> the Clintons supplied the thwomps. The Clintons supplied the thwomps. There is a clear thwomp body count. Why do they call it Bullet Bill? It's Bullet Bill Clinton. Open your eyes, people. Bullet, Bullet Bill was named after Bill Clinton. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad we checked in with Alex Jones on what he thinks about <laughs> wow, always a good, Always a good touch point. Oh, my God. Well, Andy, Wow, that was a lot of information on Harp. Thank you, Alex Jones. <laughs> I do think we need to get to verdicts here, Andy, on uh, an old harp. I'll give you a fucking verdict. Oh, Jesus. 
Goodness gracious. I'm curious to know what you think. I think I know where you're going to go, but I can never tell with you. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going to go to, and I think I'm going to be, I think I'm going to surprise you a little bit. Okay. But I'm always surprising. Um, So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to like go into each branch of conspiracy. Okay. Because it's a lot, right? It, it is a lot. lot it is so a lot. I think I'm just going to say like, is because I feel that the, the conspiracy angle all for me hits about the same level. Uh, I think the mind control is probably the most plausible thing that Harp could do, but I'm going to kind of combine it all into one verdict. Okay. Like, is there something going on at yeah, Harp? I'm going to say Besides like, just studying the Iwano sphere. Base, base level case confirmed here would be like Harp is nothing except an ionospheric research facility. Okay. Purely dedicated to science, and the science is understood, and there's nothing suspicious going on. And then obviously case closed would be like, this is some secret government research facility that's, you know, up to something. My verdict, plausible minus and a half. Okay, so you're going the opposite route of saying, if it was just case confirmed, it's this is a, Cut and clean scientific thing. Oh, wait. But plausible minus and a half means... Maybe I confused myself. I'm fucking confused. That's what oh, I guess... Saying. Oh, yeah. Case can, case closed would be... I did the backwards, bunkfuckers. All right. Let's okay. reset. Okay. All right. Let's move the table back. And we'll put the chairs around it again. We're resetting your bunkfuckers. All right. <clears throat> so case closed yeah. is that harp is just straight ahead. It's just a little science research facility, facility. Just sunny ionosphere. Doing ionosphere. It's 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 fine. Heating up, cool. Case down. confirmed is that it's conspiracy wonderland. Conspiracy wonderland, and it's got a bunch of shit that's happening. Crazy shit that's happening. My verdict is unchanged. Plausible minus and a half. Wow. So I'm close to saying, you know, I'm like halfway to case. This closed. is uh, this is a little bit shocking. But here's the thing for me. I don't think that we truly understand. No. At least I don't. All of the potential applications of what Harp's research could show. Do I think that people there have the intention of mind controlling and controlling the weather? No. Do I think that some of their research could be used to yeah. further that? Potentially. Do I think that the military may have engaged in those sorts of research? Potentially. I kind of feel like the military was more interested in communicating with military assets. At the same time, did their research at Harp lead them to potentially find ways of doing mind control on a smaller scale uh, than something like Harp? I don't know. And what? How do we define mind control? Mind control could just yeah. be disrupting your thought. It doesn't have to be controlling you like a zombie. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Begich, all he says is like, you know, you pick up on you pick up on the response. Mm -hmm. It changes your brain chemistry. So. You feel cloudy. You your brain mimics the wave that's coming into it. Like it it tunes to that frequency. And so while you may not be necessarily like in the thrall of the government and they can like beam messages into you and you just do whatever they tell you, it's like at some level, you're like it starts to change your mind. So maybe it makes you more accepting, you know? Like maybe it makes you more malleable ultimately. And more ready to, if somebody did give you an instruction, ready to follow it. Maybe more susceptible. More subservient. more subservient, more susceptible. Yeah. Very interesting verdict here, Andy. I actually have the same exact verdict. Wow. Plausible plus and a half. But I, I, I will say. Plus and a half? Yeah, what did you say? I said minus and a half. 
Oh, you did? Yeah. I thought we switched it. Yeah. So, so case closed. Oh, uh, okay. Is that it's it's science only. Okay. Case confirmed. Is so that you're still in the negative. Okay. Well, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. Though. So you think there's, it's more likely that there's something. Yeah, on. probably. Okay. Uh, because um, I, I just think that given its origins, given that like they did control it for a long, long time, I still think that behind the scenes or maybe, I don't think that any of these scientists who are working there are like people that should be, uh, you, you should not be, I'm not condoning uh, any of the, Crazy stuff, the violence against the... Apparently, they get a lot of death threats there. And yeah, stuff. the people, people at Harp. So yeah. I definitely don't condone any of that. But what I will say is that I do think that if that research can be used in any way, shape, or form for anything other than just ionospheric study, um, I think that probably it will be used and maybe has. Um and I think probably somebody is still probably keeping an eye on it in DARPA. There's got to be some kind of file still open on it. I mean, is it any wonder that like, and there's also sort of this, this question of like, what's going on with the different world powers? Because obviously Russia's like, well, what the fuck? You're not going to be the only ones who are fucking around with the ionosphere. We're going to fuck around with the ionosphere too. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe China has a fucking ionospheric thing. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. <clears throat> it there's... seems like everybody's kind of getting involved because I think obviously there's a big power play here as well. With like, well, we we figured out what we can do. Who knows what you can do with the ionosphere? Maybe there's things about the ionosphere that we can do that we don't know yet. And then we're going to be the first ones there. And then we're going to be like, oh, look what we can do with the ionosphere. We could turn it into a hard candy shell. Like that magic shell chocolate. And suddenly it's like, now we get to be the gatekeepers of who gets to go into space or not. Obviously, this is crazy science fiction. This is There's no basis of proof for that. But I'm just saying. What if that were to happen? There's obviously a power play here. Well, yeah. I mean, HARP is <clears throat> like one of the best facilities for ionospheric research in the world. Right. And, you know, it's kind of like the gold standard. So a lot of other countries now have their own HARP-like facilities, um, especially in places like Scandinavian countries, like oh, Sweden, yeah. Norway, and Finland, of course. Very oh, similar. So cold. Like geographically to, right, to near Alaska. Pole, yeah. um, so Russia has one. Um, but there, there are facilities all over the world, basically. So, and like networks of facilities too, where it's, you know, it's not just this facility standalone for this country. It's like they help communicate and they can coordinate across. So yeah. there is, you know, I think there is some aspect of geopolitical, you know, it's like they don't want the U.S. to be the only ones with the science because right? obviously they know, other people know that it's like, oh, well, like, Russia knows, like, oh, USA is not going to give us all this science. Oh. Especially for a military facility. Right. They have way more opportunity now that it's run, by, you know, that the operations are taken over by an, a, a, an institution of higher education. Right, right, right. Where they will probably have scientists who will want to publish their findings and, like, research and stuff. So it's probably more open now than it was at its outset. Yeah, and my, my verdict is mostly based on, like, its origins and... um Yeah. Do I actually think that the actual facility or the people running it doing any of that wild stuff? No, they're not controlling the weather. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. That's case closed. I don't think that it has anything to do with UFOs or the fucking salt layers or beams. Mm -hmm. That shit's case closed. Um, but, I mean, it is the perfect boogeyman. We didn't even talk about how it shoots out radio waves that you can pick up on a on a on an actual radio. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And it makes, like, these weird pinging noises, like, beep, 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 beep. 
Yeah. Sounds you, like the bunker alarm a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Harp should be the new bunk tech bunker alarm 3000. <laughs> but yeah, there's, uh, on, on, uh, in some of the research, I forget which thing exactly, but you can listen to, there's like, it's like half an hour, I think, of harp transmissions. And we encourage that you do. It definitely will not make you want to rip your hair out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's definitely like obnoxious. Like, it's, not- yeah, it's almost as obnoxious as this. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you listened, if you made it to this point, yeah. Yeah. I think you could probably stand 30 minutes of harp. But that's just the thing is, I think that at the end of the day, if DARPA or any of these other kind of, agencies can figure out a way to use whatever they like i'm i'm i feel like they're still keeping tabs on it even though they're not involved anymore Mm -hmm. maybe not Uh, that's why i'm only plausible plus and a half so wow okay um bunk funkers those are our verdicts let us know what you think use the hashtag hmm what would be a good hashtag for today's episode um hmm I'm kind of thinking like hashtag rainbow road. Hashtag rainbow road. <laughs> Super relevant to the topic. Yeah. Hashtag rainbow road. And let us know what you think, bunkfuckers. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Um, if you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash mrbunkerpod. And if you feel so inclined, you want to support the show. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Five bucks a month will get you access to the Bunker Discord. You'll be able to read the Bunker newsletters every month and get a new episode of Andy and Artie Bunked, our Patreon-only show, every single month. We just recently covered uh, Gigi Allen. That was a fun topic. That was like a three-hour episode where we just <laughs> waxed poetic all about Gigi Allen's life yeah. and uh, his music and what we think about him. Our episode was longer than his musical career. (laughs) That's true. So if you want to hear all about that and plenty of other weird, strange stories, serial killer topics, um, Andy and our debunked is your place. Patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker pod. Well, Andy, you ready to uh, blast off to the ionosphere? Yeah, I'm ready to blast off, baby. I've been uh, sitting here this whole time getting charged up, ready to blast off. Really? My, my fuel is at its peak level. Oh, baby. And it's ready to ignite, and oh, I'm ready boy. to blast off into yeah. the sky. And he's ready to sky. drop his uh, first load and head into the uh, outer outer atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to drop my first stage, and I'm ready to, you know, power on through. <sighs> Break on through to the other side, Bunk Funkers. Um, that's what we'll be doing. So for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my... Amphibious. <laughs> wow. Very it's fitting. A little on the nose. Very fitting. Co host Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Uh, I forgot what I was going to do. So I'll just say bye bye. <laughs> History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, 
we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.